Check your weapons at the door. It's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. It's a hunk of hunk of burning Medicare podcast. And now crapped out once again, Medicare expert Doug Jones. Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another thrill-packed, exciting episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. As my nephew, Drew McMillan, just told you, I am Doug Jones, your Medicare expert for today, and maybe for the rest of the week. We'll see how things go. Thank you for joining us today. This is the podcast that we have created in order to help your transition be a, a confident experience, a happy experience, as you cross the line from Medicare, uh, from Obamacare until uh, into the Medicare realm. And uh, when you do that, you're going to have excellent protection against high medical expenses at a very reasonable cost if you use my advice as your guide. Now, where might you find my advice? Well, aside from finding it in my head, you can also find it in my book, So I would therefore guide you to Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com, where you enter Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023 into the search window. And voila, you'll find copies of my book all over the place. Uh, I would recommend that you buy the paperback. That seems to be the most popular choice. But for a gift for a loved one, you might consider buying the hardcover book. It is a beautiful, beautiful creation, especially uh, if you've got a stocking stuffer uh, that you need to purchase. Uh, This is going to be an excellent selection. We also have an Audible version and we have a Kindle version. Those are very nicely priced. But in any event, once you've acquired one of my books, you will have a short but very quick synopsis as to the ins and outs of Medicare and what one should do to prepare for Medicare, what one should do to enroll in Medicare, and what one should do to wrap up the process by acquiring ancillary protection uh, that will round out your Medicare experience. And that's what I'm all about. I am an advisor, uh, an expert, a, a source of of um, information and a source of insurance because I'm licensed in all 50 states. So wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this, I can help you acquire your Medicare coverages. So having said all of that, I'd like to say hello to Randy Carson. Randy Carson, how the heck are you today? Randy Carson is good. Oh, good to hear. Good to hear. I told you off mic, but I'm going to say it for the benefit of the audience. I have, before he tries to stump me again, he's always trying to stump me with uh, esoteric facts. And usually it turns into an embarrassing experience for me, but I have some stump the podcast engineer uh, items that I ran across. And I'm hoping to play a game of stump the podcast engineer after we get finished with our uh, our actual Medicare content for the podcast episode today. So are you game for that, Randy? I am absolutely game for that. I love this kind of stuff because my daughter, when she was a little girl, I, you know, I'm I'm always a big, uh, you know, 
fun fact sort of a guy, you know, weird trivia. Tracks, fun You're fact, trivial. Trivia. I'm a trivia hound. My I heard my daughter when she was a little girl tell her teacher at school one time, my daddy knows everything. And that's where it should always be. My daughter, unfortunately, <laughs> grew up and knows now <laughs> that I don't know everything. But she she was, uh, you know, similarly fooled when she was younger. And isn't that a beautiful thing? You really hate to see them lose that that innocence that <laughs> comes with yeah, maturation. I, yeah, I really do. Because, you know, ultimately, it's uh, a lot of fun when they look up at you as a little six-year-old girl and say, <laughs> My daddy knows everything. And then you go and in mind in your mind you're going, Oh, I wonder how long that's gonna last. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know it's not gonna last long enough. <laughs> yeah. Now the only time she calls is when she needs something like a loan. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> or a babysitter. Or a babysitter, or a dog sitter, or anything, anything sitting. Uh, you know, I qualify for. <laughs> well, our daughter doesn't give us the calls for those services much because she lives six hours away in California. So um, it's unlikely that we're going to be called upon to babysit. We used to babysit because her husband is very successful. They used to go to Hawaii every year for a company convention. And uh, we used to babysit for their two boys uh, every time they would go. So we'd go over to California and they'd get on an airplane, fly to Hawaii. And, and uh, that came to an end as the boys entered college. <laughs> right, so right. Uh, our services were no longer required. Well, I was just going to mention something to you because there's in my mind and, and perhaps in your mind, Doug, there's something backwards about this because Brenna and my son-in-law and their family are on a cruise now. And I'm sitting here working. What, 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 what? Do you see anything wrong with that? Well, I could see various uh, problems with that situation, except for the fact that you're working on my behalf. So I'm not going <laughs> to discourage it. I'm not going to discourage that at all. But I am going to talk a little bit about Medicare Advantage uh, negative uh, aspects here. Uh, this involves pre-authorization. Well, that's prior. pretty easy. I even I. I'm not an expert like you are. I can dream that. I can dream up 17 reasons not to buy an Advantage plan. Well, there you go. This is reason number uh, 18 and a half. So All righty. I'm, I'm thinking scam we can bump that. Scam, scam vantage. vantage. Here we go. Here we yeah. go. Yeah. Well, let me tear into this. And when you get bored, you just uh, wave your hand at the screen and we'll get on to something more fun. How's that sound? All righty. Um, uh, I've got two articles here, and I'm going to try to meld them together and shorten them and only read the exciting parts. But Living with Medicare is the title of one. The Dangers of Pre-Authorization, and they show a cartoon uh, stamp. You know, somebody, uh, a, an officious authority might stamp a document. In this case, the stamp shows the word denied. Prior authorization is the uh, act of having to show Permit or to obtain permission for a particular type of treatment from a, um, a medical authority. In this case, they would typically tell you to, uh, if you want to have a specialist uh, perform a treatment for or on you, you must get prior authorization, meaning permission from your regular doctor. That's how it most commonly works. And uh, why do we think this is a bad thing? Because this is unique to Medicare Advantage plans when you cross that line from 
Medicare or from Obamacare into Medicare. You may have had to live with it as a younger and healthier person. You may never have encountered the need for prior authorization. But when you cross into Medicare, as you age, as you might have more frequent need for potentially expensive medical treatments, if you have a Medicare scam vantage plan, as Randy would call it, you may run into the unpleasantness of a prior authorization requirement. Let's say that you have been able to uh, skate through life, but now you might have something wrong with you. It's going to require the examination, the uh, diagnosis from a professional, a specialist. Well, your doctor may send you to a specialist, but he can't do that without obtaining permission from the Medicare Advantage Insurance Company. So he's got to ask the permission of a more likely an insurance company accountant uh, to uh, allow you to go to the specialist and have it be covered by the Medicare scam vantage plan. So I'm going to read this uh, introductory paragraph on article one here. For those of you who haven't had the pleasure of facing prior authorization, let me explain what it is. Your doctor may say to you, you need some healthcare service like knee surgery, but you will not be able to get that service at least not get it uh, paid for until the insurance company agrees if you go ahead with that service without permission from the insurance company, you will pay 100% of the total bill. And I can tell you from my wife, uh, that's somewhere in the neighborhood of $200,000 per knee. Anyway, if you go ahead without permission, you're going to pay 100% of the total bill. No spending limit will apply. In Medicare Advantage, for better or worse, prior authorization is now everywhere. This article goes in-depth about prior authorization, which insurance carriers are using it, and how often, oh, which insurance carriers are using it, how often services are denied. It's fascinating and scary. So that's the first page of this uh, this uh, set of documents that addresses prior authorization. So the second article is somewhat longer, but I'm going to try to make it as interesting as possible. Over 35 million prior authorization requests were submitted to Medicare Advantage plans, Medicare scam Vantage plans in 2021. Over 35 million prior authorization requests were submitted. That means 35 million times people requested permission from their insurance company to uh, do something to get a particular service or even to be able to see a specialist. So the article goes on to say, prior authorization is intended to ensure that healthcare services are medically necessary by requiring providers to obtain approval before a service or other necessary um, or other benefit will be covered by the patient's insurance. While prior authorization has long been used as a tool to contain spending and to prevent people from receiving unnecessary or low-value services, there are some concerns that current prior authorization requirements and processes may create barriers and delays to receiving necessary care, as well as exacerbate the complexity for patients and their providers. In response to these concerns, CMS, oh, we've been down this road before. These are the people that can't figure out how to spell their own acronym. 
Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services should be spelled C-M-M-S, but they spell it C-M-S. Dopes. So anyway, they've published two proposed rules in December of 2022 uh, that include provisions related to prior authorization requirements, among other policy changes. The provisions in the first proposed rule are intended to improve the use of electronic prior authorization processes. Oh, good. Prior authorization is a bad thing for people, so let's make it even easier to use by automating it. So uh, they want to improve the timeliness and transparency of decisions and um, apply this to Medicare Advantage and certain other insurers. The second proposed rule clarifies the criteria that may be used by Medicare Advantage plans in establishing prior authorization policies and the duration for which a prior authorization is valid. In the fall of 2022, the House of Representatives passed bipartisan, yeah, they always say bipartisan, you get one person from the other party uh, and it becomes bipartisan. So anyway, they passed legislation that would require Medicare Advantage insurers to establish an electronic process for real-time prior authorization determinations, but it did not pass the Senate and become law. All right, well, that's uh, an interesting event. Historically, Medicare beneficiaries, I'd say that sounds like everybody's on welfare, so I'm just going to say Medicare participants, they were rarely required to receive prior authorization historically. That is still the case for people enrolled in traditional Medicare who have Medicare supplements. No prior authorization under a Medicare supplement. Uh, however, all, virtually all, Medicare scam vantage enrollees were enrolled in a plan that requires prior authorization for some services in 2022. Most commonly, higher cost services such as chemotherapy or skilled nursing facility stays require prior authorization. Prior authorization may play a role in helping Medicare scam vantage plans reduce costs and maintain profits. And I'll give you one example. Mary has a, a childhood girlfriend who grew up with her and uh, got married, lives in Illinois still. And uh, she heard from her childhood friend on uh, when she answered the phone, the friend said, don't ever buy a Medicare Advantage plan. She doesn't even know what I do for a living. This woman does not know that I have been touting the same advice for many years. Uh, she needed foot surgery, and she was sent to a rehab uh, facility stay for a few weeks after the surgery. I guess it must have been serious. And she did not get to go to the place that she wanted to go. She was sent to a place that she considers to be inferior. And she was also told that her stay was going to be much shorter than she was led to believe her stay would be, you know, the length of time would be required for her full recovery. So two important things right there that disappointed this woman. I tell people that want to buy Medicare Advantage plans, the odds are that you're going to, that plan is going to do something to disappoint you. And then if you've waited too long, you won't be able to go back to Medicare with a Medicare supplement because you'll have to pass a health questionnaire. <clears throat> and if you're disappointed because they're not treating you properly with your diagnosis, your treatment of your dire disease, 
then you're not going to pass that health questionnaire and be able to go back to Medicare with a Medicare supplement. This is why I warn people, don't even go down the road of Medicare Advantage because coming back may be impossible for you. So back to the article. As part of its oversight of Medicare Advantage plan, CMS requires Medicare Advantage insurers to submit data for each Medicare Advantage contract, which usually includes multiple plans. I don't know exactly what that means. Um, Anyway, this data should include the number of prior authorization determinations made during the year and whether a request was approved or not. Uh, Insurers are additionally required to indicate the number of initial decisions that were appealed and the outcome of that process. We, the authors of the article, use this data to examine the use of prior authorization in Medicare Advantage uh, during that 2021 calendar year that we've been discussing. Unfortunately, we were not able to analyze prior authorization rates by type of service or type of plan because CMS does not collect or report this information. So here are the findings of the the authors of the article. More than 35 million prior authorization requests were submitted to Medicare Advantage insurers. The volume of prior authorization determinations varied across Medicare Advantage insurers, ranging from 0.3 requests for Kaiser Permanente enrollees to almost three uh, requests per Anthem enrollee. So less than one request uh, for uh, Kaiser Permanente, all the way up to three uh, for the average um, Anthem Medicare Advantage enrollee. Over 2 million prior authorization requests were fully or partially denied by Medicare Advantage insurers. Just 11% of prior authorization denials were appealed. Randy and I discovered that. Boy, they uh, they will assume that everybody that gets denied is just going to go away, and then they won't have to spend the money on that treatment. I don't know whether the people don't get the treatment or whether they pay for it out of their own pockets. But most people that uh, have a denial don't turn around and appeal it because the appeals process is no fun. So here's another item that they discovered. The vast majority, 82% of appeals, resulted in fully or partially overturning the initial denial. So that means that they don't expect you to appeal because they think you're a wuss. But when you do show the moxie to appeal, the odds are your appeal will be successful. That's the takeaway from this uh, this article or this uh, uh, episode of your Medicare for the lazy man uh, process here. The um, process of prior authorization is um, one that you will have to actually take some action on in order to make it work worthwhile uh, in getting permission to have your specialist treatment or your permission uh, uh, paid for the treatment that you need. I'm trying to read ahead here to see if there's anything else interesting. I think we've hit the high point of this article, which is you better appeal. When they turn you down, you'd better appeal. Otherwise, you're not going to have the requested treatment paid for. You're not going to be able to go see the uh, uh, specialist that you want to see with uh, having your insurance pay for it. You're going to wind up paying for it yourself if you indeed do that. So I think that's probably the end of the line for this uh, important information in this article. I'm so excited to get to my stump the 
podcast engineer uh, items, I found two interesting items that um, I can almost guarantee that my podcast engineer is not going to be able to guess, but I wanted to uh, use his uh, giant brain in order to find out whether this is uh, knowledge that he might have buried away in there somewhere. I I am fully ready, Dave. Dave. Oh, for <laughs> I, I need more coffee. You, Doug, you, might, Doug. you might need a bigger brain because... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> why, okay. why am I? Why did I say Dave? Okay, I hope this isn't as embarrassing for you as it typically is for me. But well, uh, let's let's see. I, I'm going. You know, I'm going 100 right now, calling you Dave. So yeah, uh, let's okay. let's say that it's going to be somewhat embarrassing. Well, yeah, in the world of uh, Cheech and Chong, Dave's not here. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, here's a, an important day in history. March 12th, 1895, in uh, Arizona history. This uh, important event occurred on March 12th, 1895. And I'll give you a hint. It was the first of an ongoing, uh, it, it was the like the first day of something that would change Arizona history over the course of uh, the ensuing years. Was that when Arizona became a state? No, sir. That would have been 1912. Oh, oh, no. Darn it. Uh, yeah, 1912, 1912. Darn it. Well, I don't. that. So 1890, that was when they rounded up the last camel out in the desert <laughs> that had been uh, running around based on the army brought them out. Right. And Haji, Haji was the uh, camel <laughs> jockey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he's got a grave somewhere in Arizona, I think out near Yuma, a pile of rocks. And here lies Haji. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, sir, you're wrong. That's that's that's, that's not it. Huh? Darn well, it. I will say, I'll give you a hint here. It has to do with the Santa Fe Railroad. Oh, okay. The Santa Fe Railroad uh, made it across Arizona and joined up with uh, something on the uh, West Coast. You know something? I'm going to give you uh, full points for that because you're very close. The Santa Fe Railroad had already built its right-of-way along the main line that went through um, Flagstaff. So okay. where, where Route 66 later was, um, the uh, railroad line was parallel from Chicago out to uh, Los Angeles. But the Santa Fe in 1895... March 12th, and I think that might be when this episode airs because we're so far ahead of ourselves. Um, <laughs> yeah, we need to take a day off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Let's wait till it warms up and we'll go swimming or whatever. Um, this On this day, March 12th of 1895, the Santa Fe service between Flagstaff in northern Arizona and Phoenix began. And I oh. think we, we forget that Phoenix barely existed. In fact, the territorial capital was almost Tucson, and it would have been Tucson if Tucson hadn't sided with the Confederacy in the Civil War. Yep, yep. I total, I totally. Now I can, you know, put one and two together. That totally makes sense. It absolutely does. Now, wasn't somewhere in the world, didn't I hear that Prescott was a cap territorial capital at one point? I think it might have been the territorial capital for a while. But when they, I mean, they were always looking for statehood. And what they were going to do was pick a permanent capital. Well, Prescott wasn't the largest city by the time statehood finally came around. 
by the by the time 1912 came around, Phoenix was the most important city, so it was chosen as the capital. Okay, well, Pres- that- Prescott would have been a good choice. It's more centrally located, but uh, the Santa Fe Railroad, and I've ridden on that line. What I would do every year is uh, come out to Arizona with my grandparents for the month of January and February, I guess. And um, I would go to sleep somewhere as the train was crossing New Mexico. And then while I was asleep, the uh, train would take our car out of the, out of the uh, train that had come across the United States and make up a smaller train that went South to Phoenix. So all of the people that were going from Chicago to Phoenix had to be in, located in in certain rail cars that were going to be uncoupled from the train. And so my grandparents always uh, had a suite uh, and it was, um, it was just waking up in the morning. And the first time I ever saw Arizona when I was in second grade, uh, it was from the window of a Santa Fe Pullman uh, passenger car or a uh, uh, Pullman car which is a sleeper. And uh, I opened the the, uh, shade and looked out at magnificent Arizona. And I said, Oh my God, I've never seen anything this good except on television. And so uh, all all the switching happened in flag. It did. And it was all while I was asleep. So they obviously were cognizant of the passengers that uh, didn't want to be shaken awake, you know, during the switching process. So I don't think they humped the cars into the yard. (laughs) Probably not. Well, that's interesting. I uh, I have we'll talk about this at a different time, but I've done some recent research on on a lot of the old, old, well-known rail lines, Mm -hmm. you know, like the Santa Fe or not Santa, like the Desert Flyer. I mean, they had a particular name for the train. Yeah. Desert Flyer used to go through Vegas. The Santa Fe Super Chief was the train we rode. Yep. Yeah. And and that would go to uh, Los Angeles from Chicago back and forth. But uh, we would uncouple in Flagstaff and head south to Phoenix. And thank God they hooked you on another train because it would have been a long wait up there in the rail yard in Flag. Well, it's downhill. So if they just give us a little nudge, <laughs> <laughs> we might have made it anyway. Um, well, how long does it take to get from Flag to Phoenix? 85 miles an hour on a Pullman doesn't take too long. <laughs> oh, but you've driven it. Uh, you drive down uh, I-17, and that's uh, oh, yeah. almost vertical. There's some steep yeah, hills there. You're- you got some serious, uh, you know, especially if you're driving a, any sort of a heavyweight vehicle, you got some serious hills in there. Absolutely. And with a runaway, at least one runaway uh, lane uh, for trucks that uh, just don't have the braking power that they need. Okay, I've got one other little question for you. It doesn't have anything to do with Arizona or Medicare, so I feel guilty asking it. But it's an important date in human history. A um, it's a, a date that something happened that has permanently joined the pantheon of expressions that all people will use no matter where they are when the circumstances are right. Can you think of a, this would have been September 17th of 2007, a new phrase was created that became very popular in some circles. You tell me what you think that phrase was. I am totally drawn. Now, tell me the date again. September what? September 17th, 2007. I'm drawing a blank. All right. Well, I'm disappointed that this didn't spring right to your mind. 
because it did to mine when I saw this. The phrase is as follows. Don't tase me, bro. Don't tase me, bro. Don't tase me, bro. Oh, remember that guy screeching as they tried to arrest him and throw him out of a uh, uh, University of Florida press conference. And I uh, should have known that. He he was asking embarrassing questions of our former secretary of state, not Hillary, but uh, the other one. um, Oh, God, he married the ketchup heiress. Um, Oh, yeah. Jesus. You think I write his name down here. I didn't think I had to. And now I don't want to think about his name because I don't like him very much. And so it doesn't come to mind. But uh, he's the guy who threw fake medals across the fence at the White House when he had come back from Vietnam. He was apparently a swift boat captain, uh, which is something I would have been happy to do. And I don't think I would have come back and thrown my fake medals across the uh, fence onto the White House lawn. But that's no. what started his political career. He's a big fat mouth who does not love the country the way Randy and I love the country. So I can't remember uh... his name. He was giving a speech at the University of Florida, and this guy was asking him questions that were not comfortable. And when the cops started to drag him out and they pointed a taser at him, he said, don't tase me, bro. Don't tase me, bro. (laughs) That is a very memorable statement, I have to admit. So, you know, something else I I was going to this is just a very, very small observation you know, I, I've done a lot of research on Medicare disadvantage plans and Medicare scam vantage and how they train their people and all that stuff. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, I discovered the other day uh, through some of my very detailed research that when you start working for a Medicare scam vantage company, especially in the claims area. Uh huh. You are assigned a T-shirt that says, just say no. Uh, Okay. Well, you have to take it off of somebody else, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I think we should probably let the audience go. They, I'm sure, have more more important things to do than listen to us pontificate. I, I totally understand. Well, you know something? I have got to thank everybody for joining us today because without you, it wouldn't be nearly as much fun as it is with you. And we thank you always for taking a few minutes out of your day to spend with us listening to the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. Doug talked about a lot of the important stuff up front, but one thing I always like to bring up the tail end with is if you can find some place to give us a rating on our podcast and or our book, five stars would be awesome. We would very much appreciate it. You have just spent, however, 32 and a half minutes today with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma. No more living up in the high mountains behind Cave Creek, Arizona, in his Fortress of Solitude. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for joining us.